0: An abrupt change of leadership for Texas high school water polo, Austin College returns for Navy, and Texas's huge water polo summit just ended. That and more on today's TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, and Joe Lanahan is with us via the Skype machine. How are you, Joe? Good, James. How are you? Where are you? I am in North Texas. How was your trip to New Mexico? It was awesome. I'm tired, though. Raiders game last night and pulled out a victory. So I, I didn't sleep as well as I Wait, wanted to.
1: You're a Raiders fan.
0: You know that we've had this conversation before. I am. Have we? Yep. Okay.
1: Well, that's okay. Are you going to move to Las Vegas now too?
0: Is it okay? I'm not sure it is okay. No. And, but as I said before, I am among my, my fandom for this team has waned enormously over the years. Um, I used to be very upset that they moved to Los Angeles. I was very happy. They moved back to Oakland and now, to be honest, I don't give a—I don't care. Like, I, I'm I'm totally fine with them
1: moving to Las Vegas, but I still watch them. That's okay. I think the Raiders are kind of like the Cowboys where they're like—they have fans everywhere. So Yes, exactly. And they also have haters everywhere, too. So.
0: Correct. I'm well aware of that. That's true. And deservedly so sometimes. <clears throat> anyway, we have a ton to talk about today. Uh, plus, today we're going to hear uh, from Austin College head coach Mark Lawrence— um, they, the, his team, uh, returned from a very challenging weekend back East to kick off their second NCAA season, but unfortunately slightly more controversial news to start, which is a big change at Tiska water polo. Chris Cullen was removed as chairperson of Tiska water polo committee last week. Um, his appeal for reinstatement was denied and Scott Slay of Foster high school has been appointed to replace him. We, we published a story on total water polo about the change, and Tisca's board chairman, Melissa Howard, confirmed that he was removed. Um, she said that Cullen did not follow, quote, proper protocol when he submitted a letter to the UIL uh, regarding a water polo pilot program that was going to begin in 2020. Um, but Cullen wrote in rebuttal saying that it was all a huge misunderstanding. He was simply doing what he'd done for the past couple of years. Um, but his appeal fell on deaf ears and he's been replaced. So what does it all mean? It's a uh, it's um It's something that (laughs) I'm not sure how much you actually want to talk about it. But, uh, you know, Cullen was up for election later this month. And by the way, we both know Cullen. Everyone knows we both know Cullen. So this is no shock. But you could say that it doesn't make a very big deal because he was up for election in a couple weeks anyway and could have been replaced. But it's also extremely clear that he was a prominent figure figure in trying to get the sport sanctioned by the UIL. And so it puts into question the leadership uh, of that effort to become a UIL sport nothing more because i think scott slay i want perfect question i want to
1: question the leadership i think uh, tiska waterpolo is a very good strong kind of organization has a lot of very dedicated coaches chris has been leading that organization for the last 2 years along with scott slay along with many others um, and i have every confidence in the world that tiska waterpolo and tiska in general are going to, are going to keep working together. There's the, like the surveys going out from the UIL this month. And we what's hope the, that what's the and, survey describe that there is a survey from the UIL staff that has gone out to the superintendents and the, and the superintendents are going to be kind of, kind of hopefully voting. Uh, yes. I want to, if, if water polo is added, then I would like to, to play. And, um, and we are, and we're hoping to get some positive results from that. Uh, this year, the last time I was, like the survey went out was 2016. We were at 47% of the 6A, 5A schools. And in 2014, we were at about 30, 35% of the schools. Right. So we're hoping to get over that 50% threshold. And I think Scott Slay and the leadership is going to do a great job of kind of moving us in that direction. So. Well, the, the trajectory
0: has been positive over the years. In other words, that, that, that popularity has risen. Uh, my only point is just simply the optics of it. That People who are observing this, and you've just tried to give your own opinion of that 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 there's not much to worry about, but that the optics are that that this could actually put a hindrance into the effort. But you're saying that's not the
1: case. I think there's everybody is kind of is kind of rowing in the same direction. They, yeah, they all want we are, Whether it's Tisco or Tisco Waterpolo, everybody supports the movement of, of water waterpolo, kind of hopefully being the next sanctioned sport of the U.I.L and everybody is still moving in that direction. Yes, I do believe that there was a miscommunication between Tisca and Tisca Waterpolo. I fully support Chris Cohen. I think he's done a tremendous job uh, for Tisca Waterpolo in the waterpolo uh, community in general with Thunder, with, with uh, Coach in high school. He, he's had kids that have played. Chris is one of the very good people in the sport, and um, I don't think that it's going to be hard-pressed to find uh, some people that, uh, that are going to say, Anything too negative about them. But I do believe that there was a miscommunication. Um, There is a change at the leadership. And yeah, and that's fine. Scott Slay has been involved in this movement for the last almost 20 years. Long time. So, I mean, Scott Slay, it's going to be a natural transition. And I look and I look forward to kind of seeing what they do, kind of moving forward. (laughs)
0: Hey, really quickly, let's let, let's just talk about the relationship because so in the state of Texas, as to repeat to many but some might not know this, that uh, high school water polo is a club sport. It's not sanctioned by EOIL. Um, It's it is organized voluntarily by TISCA, which is a swim coaches association, which ha- has a standing committee dedicated to managing
1: water polo. Is that that generally correct? Yeah, t- uh, TISCA, the Texas classic swim coaches association uh the, like the like the subcommittee is called tiska water polo who kind of are their own entity i mean they aren't their own entity but they operate uh, kind of with a little bit of oversight uh, within tiska there you go yeah um and um they've been they've been running the sport for the last 20 years or 20 plus years so 20 plus right and uh what is it um and i believe that relationship is still strong and um and I believe everybody is going in the same page again. You know, again, there was there was a miscommunication between the different committees and, yeah, and TISCA. And I just believe that everybody this is a great opportunity for everybody to get on the same page and keep moving uh, and keep kind of kind of yeah, just kind of moving forward in the in the general positive direction. Waterpool makes positive steps every UAL meeting every year. And we are getting closer and closer to the threshold and we look, and we look forward to getting over that threshold soon. So.
0: And October twenty-six, I think is the next UIL meeting and, yep. and, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where the board for, I guess it's the competition board. Is that right? They, they decide on whether or not new sports will be admitted to the, to the program.
1: What happens It's the UIL Little council. It's made up of 32 su- superintendents. Um, there's a bunch of presentations made for all different sports and rule changes, and anybody can make a presentation or a proposal. Um, Anything, and then it goes man. to committees, and then it goes to approval at the final general uh, uh, committee meeting. And WaterPoll, I mean, WaterPoll is not going to be voted down necessarily. It's been continued to monitor. It's been continued to uh, – um, you know, let's, yeah, let's do a survey. Let's, yeah, in the, in the, and let's see how the numbers are, uh, next year. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's not, it's not necessarily a vote yes or no each, each meeting it's once it's at that point wherever it's going to be approved, it'll be, it'll be put up, it'll be put up for a vote. Right. And that and that could be this October. That could be, um, a kind of, you know, kind of two years down the line because, Water polo has been doing this consistently, and Chris Cullen's been the lead for the last seven years, and has not missed a UAL meeting right. since the water polo. Um, like and um, now, that sounds like a lot, but uh, wrestling kind of kind of which was the last true sport added by itself um 1999 that they didn't miss a meeting for 10 years it took them 10 years there was a group of pilot program sports like cheer and mariachi um and some other activities they were added together as a group as a group and they took seven years of not missing a meeting right so this is i mean this is i mean it's it's everybody has to be on the same page yeah whether it's the swim coaches, the water polo coaches, the athletic directors, the superintendents, the UAL staff, everybody has to be on the same page in order to make it work. And and water polo has made a lot of good strides over the years and I and I firmly believe that it's it's gonna continue to, to keep keep moving forward. So
0: all right. Well, it's this is a, a story that's going to keep developing over time, and I'm looking forward to see what happens. The meeting is again is late October, and then we'll get some more insight as to what the status is for water polo in the state of Texas on the prep level. But um, before we take a break, let's uh, let's move on to something a little more satisfying than the, than the sort of politics and administration of the sport, which is Austin College. They began their NCAA season at the Naval Academy over the weekend. You could call it a challenging weekend. They went 0-5. But apparently it's very, very close games against Johns Hopkins and LaSalle. And holy cow, we've got fresh persons. Like I don't know. Can you call them freshmen anymore who are leading scorers um, after the the weekend is over? So uh, a much different showing than what they showed at the beginning of last year. And uh, and from my understanding from people who were there, they said that the team simply looked a lot better than they did last year.
1: Yeah, the scores look great. I mean, it's this is yeah, everybody has to remember this is this this is their second year, and it's predominantly everybody on that team is freshmen and sophomores. Yep. I don't even know if they have a junior or senior anymore. So it's and it's one of those things where I believe they had a couple of freshmen that were leading them in goals in their first game against Johns Hopkins, who is a perennial Division three powerhouse out there. Um, and I mean, I believe they on both their games on Saturday. Against Johns Hopkins, uh, you know, kind of, they came out and they were leading three-one against Johns Hopkins, and they were leading three-zero against LaSalle. They fell short in both games, but that just shows that they do have the talent to play with a lot of teams. Yeah, most just, definitely. But like, it's it's just that they're they're working on getting everybody playing time and and yeah in trying yeah, in trying to figure out kind of who <laughs> like kind of who can play with who. There's I mean who like kind of like who can play in this situation or that situation again, even the players that played last year, they they've only been playing together for a year plus. That's it. Yeah. They're, so this is a, this is a, I mean, it's a huge step in the right direction and, and congrats for Mark Lawrence for a successful trip. They they have over 25 players listed on the
0: roster and we don't know how many of them are on the travel team or how many are within or how many get into the rotation to play. But that's a much different situation than the last year when they had a, a limited number of people. And I suspect we don't know this, but that he rotated a bunch of kids in there in some of these games, um, they lost to Fordham 21, four and it, it gives every indication that they started pretty decently and then um, either tired or something at the end of the game. Um, and one, one way we could speculate about it is that they, he, he just played a bunch of guys who have not necessarily gotten the most experience.
1: Well, I'm not going to speculate, but you know, On yeah, on their day two they did play Princeton and Fordham. I know Princeton is always a ranked team, yeah, and they're one of the East Coast powers. And I know Fordham, um, I believe that they're returning most of their starters, you know, from last year, Mm -hmm. and they have a good incoming class. And they're a Division One team that is up and coming. And then, uh, and then they also played Navy on Monday, so they had a little bit of 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 an extended weekend. And yeah. And Navy's gone through a, a, a couple of coaching changes here over the last couple of years. But I believe that they are set to be one of the, the better teams on the East Coast as well. So, I mean, they're stepping up and playing teams that might be a little bit outside their comfort zone. But that's only going to help them later in the year. Yeah, that is a
0: tough beginning of the year. I mean, f- just just logistically, five games, you got to travel to the East Coast. I mean, this is what you get when you go to Austin College. But still... Uh, admirable by uh, all these guys on the team. Um, so, uh, next game is against Cal Baptist on the 20th, um, where they're traveling out to Davis t- uh, to plan uh, a tournament against uh, both them, University Pacific, and Whittier. So, that's their next three games. They've got a couple of weeks to prepare for those. Okay, a short break, and then we come back with my conversation with Austin College head coach Mark Lawrence. Don't go anywhere.
2: Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listened to the TX Waterpoll podcast.
0: The Austin College Kangaroos returned from a trip from the Naval Academy after playing five games. And on Skype with us is head coach Mark Lawrence. How are you, Mark?
2: Great, James. Thank you very much for having us on.
0: Welcome back. Uh, so let's just start with that. Kind of is 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 you had five games that were all at the Naval Academy. You're traveling from Sherman, Texas. How does that actually work? I don't know if people understand the logistics and how it has an effect on your players when they're when they're traveling and playing these highly competitive games.
2: Yeah. So we uh, so when we look at our travel schedules or we look at our competition schedules, we look at the feasible travel options. So. Our biggest concern always is missed class. So we, uh, when we plan our, our flights, like the specific flights that we choose to be on, we try to minimize the amount of missed class. So uh, we look at the difference of leaving that, say, example being like, a well, 1 p.m. departure versus a 4 p.m. p.m. departure and class schedules and things of that nature. So that's always goal number one. Um, but then when we do travel, so we have a travel squad of 16 guys. So not every athlete travels. But uh, we, the way we try to manage that is, you know, if we feel we have 22 guys and in any combination of 16 can can suit up and put us in a position, or put us in our in our best position to compete in in that specific weekend or game, um, we try and rotate some of those bodies through. So right. the group that we took to, to Navy will be different than the group that we're going to take to uh, UC Davis next weekend. And uh, after those two trips, we'll kind of we'll hopefully have an idea of who our core uh, 10 or 12 guys are as we develop and, and continue into the future. You know, um, every athlete's on a different path. Whether right. they're ready to play from day one or they need time to uh, develop and get more experience. So we're well, just trying all- to figure all, all that stuff out.
0: Well, what's also fascinating is that you are in the process of figuring that out. Like during the season, I think there's some impression sometimes that you, you, you start your training camp and by the end of training camp, you just basically know like this is your team. These are the ones that you can depend upon, so on and so forth. But that's really not the case.
2: Yeah, I think it depends on the uh, position that you're in. You know, if if we were returning 15 uh, athletes from last year who are juniors and seniors heavy, we would probably have a great idea of what our travel roster was going to look like on weekend one and which of the freshman class are going to make like a, a uh, impact right away. But when you return only sophomores and you have only freshmen coming in and then with, with D three rules where we, we, we don't have the opportunity to train as a team as an organized team uh, for the entire summer. Mm. Um, and then you combine orientation and miss practices with orientation. So, yeah. you know, we're still trying to figure that, all that stuff out. I mean, think right. Next year, we'll have a much better idea as we have, uh, you know, 26 underclassmen this year. So we'll have a great idea next year as we get into the first weekend. But so far this year, we're still trying to figure that out. So, right. It's
0: going to be it'll be interesting to see an actual senior on your roster because you are so young and for by design, you're a new program. But it's almost going to be fascinating to go, oh, look, a person who's actually a graduating senior. How about that?
2: Yeah, we're excited. We we actually have one this year. It's crazy. Uh, um, AJ's from Seattle, and he's academically he's a senior, but he's only in his second year of college. Right. That's okay. Kind of just, he's like an eyelash short of Caltech genius, <laughs> and he's gonna he's gonna graduate in two years. So we kind of have one this year, but we're very excited for the day when we have seniors who are in their fourth year of the program and. You know, nothing is new for them, and uh, they could be great mentors towards the incoming freshmen.
0: Yeah, that's A.J. Pritchard, right? He's a kid from Washington who came all the way from there to come to Texas, right? Listed as a sophomore, but with the, you know, the big brain there. Um, Well, so, and you mentioned uh, the Davis tournament, where there's going to be some challenging games. You had challenging games this weekend as well, Navy and Princeton. So is there some sort of philosophy that you have in mind to – Um, have very highly competitive games early in the season, or does it not matter? You just want to play.
2: Uh, For us, there's definitely like a choice in that. Um, For me personally, with this year specifically, and then last year also, you know, we are extremely young as a new program. We are probably the youngest roster in the entire country uh, regards to division one, division two, division three. So I don't, we, we expect to compete now in year number two. But at the same time, while we're all underclassmen, we really want to uh, kind of expedite that that experience process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we don't have a pool like Stanford has here on campus. So we maximize through our training and through our uh, competitions what we can do. And uh, you know, I find competition to be a, a great teacher. So yeah. early in the season this year, um, we we played a handful of, of schools last year and this year, both early where schools that we look at that we want to develop into and, and catch up. so we play Whittier next weekend. we've just played Johns Hopkins and you know these are programs that are division three by rule but they have Division one talent on their roster. So we we are trying to play these high- level games to expedite our learning process and uh, not as as concerned about the record right now at this point and then um, hopefully catch up to some of our, our division three rivals that we are expected to, compete with later on this year and then moving forward right
0: well let's talk about that the record is 0-5 it's a it's a bit of you you know, it's you have tough competition you have a very young team but the promising part is at least from our observation is that you have two you have a couple of freshmen who are actually making a mark and quite early and your first day were losses that were that were actually close losses to Johns Hopkins and LaSalle what what can you tell us about those uh, the kickoff to your season and your freshman class
2: yeah. Um we were you know, we were happy with those losses. Those are the two games we circled that we expected to win. Um, but at the same time, not to take anything away from those programs. Uh LaSalle has a has they have a new coach, uh Coach Tom, who's in starting year number two of his time there and he's done an amazing job. Uh the transformation that he's made in a very short time is uh great. And then with Johns Hopkins, um, there's someone that we look at that we want to catch up to. So with those games, they're ones that we disappointed that we lost. We feel we should have won, and uh, but we're really happy with how the freshmen played. You know, uh, with orientation during fall camp, we have limited days where we actually have the entire roster together. So right. there's a lot of things to kind of work out and figure out in those games. But the freshmen played extremely well. Uh, Max Wade left uh, led our program the entire weekend. In uh, five games, he scored 14 goals, and he was off to a hot start against Johns Hopkins. And then uh, other freshmen, Michael Colmenares from Houston, Evan Cueva from uh, Southern California, helped lead our um, you know our, our our freshman group. But we took out of our 16 players that we took, six were freshmen playing their first ever collegiate wow. uh, minutes. Wow. So and they did as well as anyone else on our roster. So we were really happy.
0: Yeah, not not too big uh, odds, or, or so much so that they can't be competitive. And it's that's it sounds like you have a core now of freshmen that are just really they're gamers they're really highly competitive guys
2: yeah absolutely like we were you know we're very we're very happy with the athletes that we have here we think we're a very talented group um and then one thing we were looking for to have more of was like a, a fierce competitive uh, uh mindset and it wasn't that we didn't have that to start with our sophomores definitely have that um but we had an opportunity to get three freshmen that are not only in extremely talented but are very overly uh, competitive <laughs> personality-wise, and uh, you know personality-wise, they just they're a huge boost to our 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 culture and our atmosphere. And to be honest, you look at individuals like Max. You know, he's a freshman, but he conducts himself as an upperclassman as far as leading by example and expectations and things of that nature. So, you know, they're a huge boost. Uh, they're not the only three. Uh, it seems like the entire class shares this uh trait which is great and um they've been a huge boost in in the water in the locker room uh just in, in all facets so far so
0: got it and so and so day two of the tournament princeton fordham i mean these are again challenge challenging games princeton um won 18 to 5 and fordham 21 one four. the next day navy 20 to 10 but i i what i hear from people who are on the ground was that the games against princeton and navy were actually very good and very competitive for you against extremely strong teams
2: uh yeah so you know i think our fordham game was the one game where our youth showed up and that was a great learning opportunity for us um and even uh some of my bad habits as a coach showed up which you know i have no problem admitting to so um so that was the one game where we kind of let, let let the wheels fall off a little bit and it got away from us and uh we kind of had a long look in the mirror because we're definitely not A 15-point underdog to Fordham, although they're a a very good program and very well-coached. But then the Navy game and the Princeton game, you know, these are two teams. Princeton, I think, is ranked number 10 uh, with the the D1 polls or uh, close to. And then Navy's losing a great job with Navy, and they're going to be a top-20 team this year. So these are two games that we felt we had absolutely nothing to lose. And the guys played extremely well. We challenged them to uh, match their intensity, match their competitive nature. And the guys did uh, did really well, you know. We lost a lot of opportunities against Princeton in the water. Um, you know, good shots that hit the bar or whatever it was. Although, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Uh, but there was, there was a lot of great stuff from those games, regardless of the score, that made us better. You know, and those moments are worth so much more than what we could do in practice, um, you know. So... we were really happy with it
0: really happy okay so because because you could imagine some people saying yeah you came away without a win so you must be disappointed but obviously you have other aims in mind
2: yeah so we i mean we have we have two tracks of like of like thought processes this year one track is that we're extremely young and we have no other choice but to get better and by playing these high level games uh we're gonna catch those teams uh sooner than like than uh later um not saying that we're going to develop into a Princeton program overnight, but you consistently get this experience against teams of that nature and your learning curve becomes a little bit faster. Um, And the other other aspect of it is that our athletes, um, we must have been told this weekend by almost everyone who we saw that we are doing an an amazing job for being second year program, being so young, but we have athletes who are kind of tired of also hearing that. So we want to Our our expectation is to to start competing to win these games and um, hopefully that'll happen in the near future because I think we have the right kids on campus to do so.
0: Right. Um, And and I've heard the same. I have people who watched your game said that it's just demonstrably better than it was last year. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that you have about 26 kids on your roster, which you did not a year ago. So what can you say has changed in the one year? And I know it's a very we're very early in the season. So to draw conclusions at this point is probably not entirely wise. But I'm curious about your observation between this year and last.
2: Yeah, I think the thing last year was that you know we had a decent-sized roster of 21, 22. Um, our roster also had a handful of kids who were who walk-ons or a couple of swimmers that jumped on board. It was kind of a, it was, it wasn't a, a traditional roster, I guess, per se. And a couple of kids are no longer on the roster by their choice. They just found other interests that they're very passionate about on campus, and there's still, they're still very much part of our program culture-wise um, and atmosphere-wise. But this year we have. 26 guys on the roster, we're able to make uh, with our w- with our field players, you know, three teams of six, three teams of, of seven, and all three teams are insanely competitive with each other. So last year we struggled to uh, to overcome, you know, injuries, illnesses. When we lost the body, it it definitely hurt as far as depth and come and just being competitive in practice. Whereas this year we could sustain things of of of, of that 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 uh. Uh, nature, um, and the depth that we have, you know, from one through 20 or one through 22 is just, is just amazing. So we're, we're going to develop a lot faster this year because we we have more competitive, uh, you know, practices and things things like that, so.
0: Right. I don't think a lot of people understand that part, is that the practices must be competitive in order for you to improve. I mean, if you're just playing, you have five athletes who are any good and nobody else, then it becomes extremely difficult to get them ready to play against uh, highly competitive teams.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it's really tough. And uh, last year was, the, was a challenge for us. But it's, um, you know, I, I think people un- underestimate the, you know, you're, you're a freshman going into a program that, already has say eight or 10 upperclassmen that have been through like that that meat grinder for a few years, Uh, what the experience that those athletes bring to those freshmen are and how they're challenged uh, uh, immediately day one of their freshman year. I think people underestimate how important that is when you're building a program from scratch and you have nothing but underclassmen and you don't have that junior, that senior that has seen almost everything that can have a three-minute conversation where the where a freshman can just learn so much you know so those are some of the challenges that we tried to fix this year by having a way more way more uh, uh competitive and a much deeper roster and um that doesn't mean our roster is equal to the top teams you know at the d1 or d3 level but it's the next step in building our program and the kids we have here will develop into those type of players because of it so
0: and and that includes having very challenging opponents uh, coming up on the 20th is Cal Baptist, uh, then UOP. Um, these are all the Aggie Roundup, right? I mean, the, the, the tournament's called the right, Aggie yeah. Roundup. And then the Saturday, the 21st, is Whittier and Santa Clara as well on the 21st. It doesn't get much easier or doesn't get much more difficult for you than that until you get to MPSF. So you have challenging games on the horizon. And you and I, I hope, will speak after that tournament is over. Thanks so much, Mark.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much,
0: James. That was Mark Lawrence, head coach of the Austin College Kangaroo water polo team. And we will return just after this. Have you noticed that there are no advertisements for dental care or online recruiting services on the TX Water Polo podcast? Same with the website. No pop ups, no banner ads. Well, we'd like to keep it that way. So we're asking for your support. Your donation will help us with new equipment better sound quality interesting writers and maybe even improve podcast hosts so to help us expand and improve our coverage of the sport and state we love go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate that's txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate and be sure to subscribe to the pod on apple google stitcher spotify or radio public and give us a good rating if you like what you hear
2: Hey, this is Mark Lawrence from Austin College, head coach of the men's and women's Warplow programs, and home of our kangaroos. When I'm interested in uh, what's going on with Texas Warplow, I always listen to TX warflow podcast.
0: Okay, Joe, we have a couple more short items to cover, uh, and first of all, is there was a again annual Texas Development Summit took place in Austin over the past weekend apparently there's a uh, the biggest turnout since uh it's been a, it's been in a couple years in the making but the uh, biggest crowd ever and you were there so what 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 do you want to share about that whole
1: experience? Yeah, it was the third annual so this is the third time we've done it. It's been at the Embassy Suites Austin Central um just at 290 and I35 and we had about 38, almost almost 40 people there. That yeah, yeah, that came from all. We had we had, we had representation from everywhere, from the Rio Grande Valley to, to Austin, San Antonio, to North Texas, to Houston. And we're, and and we're talking we're,
0: coaches,
1: administrators, referees, correct. everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, just it's um it, uh, it's, it's 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 mainly for uh, coaches, club admins, and referees. Okay. And what we basically do is we don't ever really have an opportunity to talk. have a good discussion about the various issues out there there might be a rush conversation in a hospitality room between a game or on deck quickly as as you're watching something but coaches always have to go here or there so we came up with this concept a couple years ago to everybody kind of get together and talk about things in of in a moderated setting and have some good solid conversation because everybody has their own agendas and priorities and that's fine and you may not uh, necessarily like agree, but this gives everybody an opportunity to understand somebody else's perspective. Right. And, you know, and it drives a lot of possible change, you know, for the remainder of the year. um, And, uh, and like the calendaring, okay. Yeah. You know, kind of, this was good. This was not good. So it was, it was a lot of good. It was a lot of very good conversations, anything from south zone calendar to a lot of like the biggest thing with any, with any good organization, is communication. Yes. This is what this uh, summit's about: is getting and having and having face-to-face, yeah, communication and some good discussions. But in general, we all need to communicate better, whether it's it's coach to coach, club to club, coach to referee, referee to coach. So I mean, and this is and this is we're we're trying to drive this. And the last couple of years, it was in December. Um, we just found that that was a very tough time frame to you yeah to have it. Um, so we moved it to early September for this year in 2019. Um, and next year with Labor Day, kind of moving back a little bit, uh, we're going to do it next August, August 22nd and 23rd. So instead of just being a, being a one day activity, it's going to be a two day activity. And then we're going to kind of institute like a, like a, like a little bit of a social and dinner on, uh, on, on Saturday night and maybe bring in some outside speakers and such. Okay. So it's more than just discussion, but it's also we start um, kind of having some educational pieces part of it as well. So
0: Very good. August 22, 23 and 2020. It'll be here before we know it. It's the fourth development summit. I was uh, wrong on my on my years. Um, another story that we posted this morning was on uh, on TX com about Calissa Niles. She got featured in a big feature uh, TV, a news feature on Fox 26 from Houston. Um She's not only, of course, touted for her playing on the state championship water polo team, but has a very nice GPA to go along with that. So go check that out. And Joe, we have our first uh, donor. So thank you so much to Lucinda for your very generous donation. There's, uh, thank there's you. a, re- yeah, there's a reason we're asking for them, and you may see a result of that in the coming weeks. Uh, thank you very much for that. And if you're interested in donating, of course, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash Donate, and if you like what you hear here, give us a good rating on whichever platform you use to listen to us. Do yourself a favor and listen to the other water polo podcasts like Off the Deck, Nearside Low, and The Cross Pass. i got to see if that cross pass is back up now that the uh, NCAA season is underway. Um, You can find all those on the homepage. And, of course, we want to hear from you, pod at TXwaterpolo.com. I'm getting some nice comments on that. Uh, Twitter at TXwaterpolo, Facebook TXwaterpolo, Instagram TX underscore water polo, and on the web at TXwaterpolo.com. And uh, that's it, Joe. We're done.
1: All right. Yeah, take care, Jim.
0: Thank you, Joe, very much. We're done with another pod. So thanks to all of you for listening to us and for telling a friend about the TXwaterpolo podcast. Until next week, so long from Austin.
2: there will find what's brought you close to me